Chapter 102 of the D'Artagnan Romances, Volume 3, Part 1 by Alexander Dumas, translated by William Robson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Madame de Belliere's Plate The blow had been more the painful on account of its being unexpected. It was some time before the Marquise recovered herself, but once recovered, she began to reflect upon the events so heartlessly announced to her. She therefore returned, at the risk even of losing her life in the way, to that train of ideas which her relentless friend had forced her to pursue. Treason. Then, deep menaces concealed under the semblance of public interest. Such were Colbert's maneuvers. A detestable delight at an approaching downfall, untiring efforts to obtain this object, means of seduction no less wicked than the crime itself. Such were the weapons Marguerite employed. The crooked atoms of Descartes triumphed. To the man without compassion was united a woman without heart. The Marquise perceived, with sorrow rather than indignation, that the king was an accomplice in the plot which betrayed the duplicity of Louis Thirteenth in his advanced age, and the avarice of Mazarin at a period of life when he had not had the opportunity of gorging himself with French gold. The spirit of this courageous woman soon resumed its energy, no longer overwhelmed by indulgence and compassionate lamentations. The Marquise was not one to weep when action was necessary, nor to waste time in bewailing a misfortune as long as means still existed of relieving it. For some minutes she buried her face in her cold fingers, and then, raising her head, rang for her attendants with a steady hand and with a gesture betraying a fixed determination of purpose. Her resolution was taken." "'Is everything prepared for my departure?' she inquired of one of her female attendants who entered. "'Yes, madame, but it was not expected that your ladyship would leave for Belliere for the next few days.' "'All my jewels and articles of value, then, are packed up?' "'Yes, madame, but hitherto we have been in the habit of leaving them in Paris. Your ladyship does not generally take your jewels with you into the country.' "'But they are all in order, you say?' "'Yes, in your ladyship's own room.' "'The gold plate?' "'In the chest. "'And the silver plate?' "'In the great oak closet.' The Marquise remained silent for a few moments and then said calmly, "'Let my goldsmith be sent for.' Her attendants quitted the room to execute the order. The Marquise, however, had entered her own room and was inspecting her casket of jewels with the greatest attention. Never until now had she bestowed such close attention upon riches in which women take so much pride. Never until now had she looked at her jewels except for the purpose of making a selection, according to their settings or their colors. On this occasion, however, she admired the size of the rubies and the brilliancy of the diamonds. She grieved over every blemish and every defect. She thought the gold light and the stones wretched. The goldsmith, as he entered, found her thus occupied. "'Monsieur Fachot, she said, "'I believe you supplied me with my gold service.' "'I did, your ladyship.' "'I do not now remember the amount of the account.' "'Of the new service, madame, or of that which Monsieur de Belliere presented to you on your marriage, for I have furnished both.' First of all, the new one.' the covers the goblets and the dishes with their covers the eau epergne the ice pails the dishes for the preserves and the tea and coffee urns cost your ladyship sixty thousand francs no more 
Your ladyship thought the account very high. Yes, yes. I remember, in fact, that it was dear, but it was the workmanship, I suppose. Yes, madame, the designs, the chasings, all new patterns. What proportion of the cost does the workmanship form? Do not hesitate to tell me. A third of its value, madame. There is the other service, the old one, that which belonged to my husband. Yes, madame. Uh, there is less workmanship in that than in the other. Its intrinsic value does not exceed thirty thousand francs. Thirty thousand? murmured the marquise. But, Monsieur Fachot, there is also the service which belonged to my mother, all that massive plate which I did not wish to part with on account of the associations connected with it. Ha! Ah, madame, that would indeed be an excellent resource for those who— unlike your ladyship might not be in a position to keep their plate in chasing that they worked in solid metal but that service is no longer in fashion its weight is its only advantage that is all i care about how much does it weigh fifty thousand livres at the very least i do not allude to the enormous vases for the buffet which alone weigh five thousand livres or ten thousand the pair one hundred and thirty murmured the marquise you are quite sure of your figures monsieur fachot positive madame besides there is no difficulty in weighing them the amount is entered in my books your ladyship is extremely methodical i am aware let us now turn to another subject said madame de belliere and she opened one of her jewel boxes i recognize these emeralds said monsieur fachot for it was i who had the setting of them they are the most beautiful in the whole court no i am mistaken madame de chatillon has the most beautiful set she had them from messieurs de guise but your set madame comes next what are they worth mounted no supposing i wish to sell them i know very well who would buy them exclaimed monsieur fachot that is the very thing i ask they could be sold then all your jewels could be sold madame it is well known that you possess the most beautiful jewels in paris you are not changeable in your tastes when you make a purchase it is of the very best and what you purchase you do not part with what could these emeralds be sold for then a hundred and thirty thousand francs the marquis wrote down upon her tablets the amount which the jeweller mentioned the ruby necklace she said are they bala rubies madame here they are they are beautiful magnificent i did not know that your ladyship had these stones what is their value two hundred thousand francs the centre one is alone worth a hundred thousand i thought so said the marquise as for the diamonds i have them in numbers rings necklaces sprigs earrings clasps tell me their value monsieur fachot the jeweller took his magnifying glass and scales weighed and inspected them and silently made his calculations these stones he said 
must have cost your ladyship an income of forty thousand francs you value them at eight hundred thousand francs nearly so it is about what i imagined but the settings are not included no madame but if i were called upon to sell or to buy i should be satisfied with the gold of the settings alone as my profit upon the transaction i should make a good twenty-five thousand francs an agreeable sum very much so madame will you accept that profit then on condition of converting the jewels into money but you do not intend to sell your diamonds i suppose madame exclaimed the bewildered jeweller silence monsieur fachot do not disturb yourself about that give me an answer simply you are an honorable man with whom my family has dealt for thirty years you knew my father and mother whom your own father and mother served i address you as a friend will you accept the gold of the settings in return for a sum of ready money to be placed in my hands eight hundred thousand francs it is enormous i know it impossible to find not so but reflect madame upon the effect which will be produced at the sale of your jewels no one need know of it you can get sets of false jewels made for me similar to the real do not answer a word i insist upon it sell them separately sell the stones only in that way it is easy monsieur is looking out for some sets of jewels as well as a single stones for madame's toilets there will be a competition for them i can easily dispose of six hundred thousand francs worth to monsieur i am certain yours are the most beautiful when can you do so in less than three days time very well the remainder you will dispose of among private individuals for the present make me out a contract of sale payment to be made in four days i entreat you to reflect madame for if you force the sale you will lose a hundred thousand francs if necessary i will lose two hundred i wish everything to be settled this evening do you accept i do your ladyship i will not conceal from you that i shall make fifty thousand francs by the transaction so much the better for you in what way shall i have the money either in gold or in bills of the bank of lyon payable at monsieur colbert's i agree said the marquise eagerly return home and bring this sum in question in notes as soon as possible yes madame but for heaven's sake not a word monsieur fachot by the by i was forgetting the silver plate what is the value of that which i have fifty thousand francs madame that makes a million said the marquise to herself monsieur fachot you will take away with you both this gold and silver plate i can assign as a pretext that i wish it remodelled on patterns more in accordance with my own taste melt it down and return me its value in money at once it shall be done your ladyship you will be good enough to place the money in a chest and direct one of your clerks to accompany the chest and without my servant seeing him 
and order him to wait for me in a carriage. In Madame de Vacheux's carriage, said the jeweler, if you will allow it, and I will call for it at your house. Certainly, your ladyship. I will direct some of my servants to convey the plate to your house. The marquise rung. Let the small van be placed at Monsieur Fachot's disposal, she said. The jeweler bowed and left the house, directing that the van should follow him closely, saying aloud that the marquise was about to have her plate melted down in order to have other plate manufactured of a more modern style. Three hours afterwards she went to Monsieur Fachot's house and received from him eight hundred thousand francs in gold enclosed in a chest which one of the clerks could hardly carry towards Madame Fachot's carriage, for Madame Fachot kept her carriage. As the daughter of a president of accounts, she had brought a marriage portion of thirty thousand crowns to her husband, who was syndic of the goldsmiths. These thirty thousand crowns had become very fruitful during twenty years. The jeweler, though a millionaire, was a modest man. He had purchased a substantial carriage built in 1648, ten years after the king's birth. This carriage, or rather house, upon wheels, excited the admiration of the whole quarter in which he resided. It was covered with allegorical paintings and clouds scattered over with stars. The marquise entered this somewhat extraordinary vehicle, sitting opposite the clerk, who endeavored to put his knees out of the way, afraid even of touching the marquise's dress. It was the clerk, too, who told the coachman, who was very proud of having a marquise to drive, to take the road to St. Mond. End of chapter 102. Recording by John Van Stan, Savannah, Georgia.